0: So good morning listeners and welcome to Sacred Space 102FM which is a Come and See Inspirations sp- production being produced here in our Come and See studio here in Ada. and it's the 25th of October, it's the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time and my name is John Keely and help me to present the programme this morning again Shane Elbranch, good morning to you, Shane How are you Shane?
1: Uh, not too bad now how are we keeping
0: that's good Shane of course can't join us these days physically and they uh, within studio because of social distance and so on and so forth so of course at this stage we want to especially welcome our listeners who are housebound lonely or struggling in some way today and our listeners who support us each week on prayer and we thank you so much indeed for that because I meet them around uh, Newcastle West areas specifically and um, they they listen to us and they enjoy what we're doing and they pray for us and please continue to do that Our programme, of course, is broadcast, first of all, at at 10am, it's Sunday morning, and on that programme we've included these days, in these times of restrictions, a mass from Abbeyfield Parish. So we thank, indeed, Father Tony Mullins and the parishioners of Abbeyfield Parish for allowing us to join them and share in their mass. And at 11pm, it's Sunday night, our regular programme, that's this one we're recording at the moment, is broadcast and again West Limit one oh two local radio. And any podcast of that and, and and anything that we record here in the Common see studio, we do put up on our Commency inspirations that Buspread com um, podcasting page. And that's allowing listeners anywhere in the world, twenty four seven to to hear what we broadcast. Podcasts of these of course can also be um, her on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts and other platforms. But really if you co- if you Google come and see inspirations, you'll find us there. Uh, you can contact us if you wish by text and that's on 087-6088-667 or come and see inspirations at gmail.com Now speaking about inspiration, Shane is going to share with us at usually at this time of the program uh, who it might be uh, accompanying us this week as saints for the week. Thanks Shane.
1: Thanks, John. So, as John said, today is the 25th of October. <clears throat> it's the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time, and we're heading into the 30th week in Ordinary Time. So there's only a couple of weeks to go before the end of the liturgical year. For those of us praying the Psalter, we're praying week two. Um, just a talk for people just to think about. Um, we're obviously entering into lockdown 2.0, and it's probably going to be a little bit difficult, more difficult for people this time around, if nothing else, because we're facing into the winter. As of last night, we obviously, we had to put the clocks back. Um, but just one thing to think about as you face into it, maybe take up um, a new habit or a new hobby, a winter project even. And one of the ones that was suggested to me during the week was actually to look at the Psalms. People have rediscovered the Psalms because therein is contained the experience of life and of humanity. Uh, and put in a way that articulates prayers that we might want to raise to God. So just something to think about. So in terms of the Saints of the Week, a um, couple of ones this week. So Monday is St. Gwink, I, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's a Welsh saint, 6th century monk. Then Tuesday the 27th is the feast day of St. Otteran. He is a saint of Iona, very much associated with the Diocese of Waterford. And he was—he died in 548. He was chosen by the Vikings as their patron saint in 1098. <clears throat> Wednesday is the feast day of St. Simon and Jude, the apostles. And uh, that's Jude, you know, he of hopeless cases, for anyone that needs to seek his intercession. Then um, Thursday is the feast day of St. Coleman. Coleman very much associated with the diocese of Kilmacduagh in County Galway. He was a 7th century saint, studied as Aram, and he founded two churches on Inishmore, and he, it, then he founded a, a foundation at Kilmakdua as well. So his feast day is on the 29th of October. The 30th of October is the feast day of Blessed Terence Albert O'Brien, who was a Dominican. And the 31st of October, which of course is Halloween, the eve of All Hallows' Eve, uh, is Blessed Dominic Collins. Now I'm interested to two of them together, because both of them are in the group of the Irish martyrs that were beatified in 1992 by John Paul II. So Dominic Collins, whose feast day we celebrate on Saturday, he was martyred in Yall in Cork in 1602, and he was a Jesuit. And Albert, Terence Albert O'Brien, O.P., he was actually martyred in Limerick, and he died in 1651. Now, I'm not 100% sure, it's something I need to check, but as far as I know, the chalice which he used for saying mass is actually still held in the dominican church in limerick but i must double check that and i'll confirm it for people next week and they both died as martyrs for the call as martyrs for the faith so john that's what we have in terms of fa- sales of the week this week
0: shane thank you so much for the info for that and at this point in the program we're going to play a uh, pray <coughs> excuse me spirit spiritual communion prayer especially for those in all of us these days who, who can receive jesus sacramentally at mass this morning my jesus i desire to receive you into my soul since i cannot now receive you sacramentally come spiritually into my soul i embrace you as already there i unite myself wholly to you never permit me to be separated from you amen so at this point of the program now we'll go straight into our gospel section which is where we read and reflect on the word of god and share thoughts if we have any time on the word of god and before that shine Share this prayer for us before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane.
1: Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed and our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you for that, Shane. So now with the Gospel for this week. Again, it's for the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time. It's taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 34 to 40. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they got together, and to disconcert him, one of them put a question. Master, which is the greatest of the commandments of the law? And Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest, and the first commandment. The second resembles it, you must love your neighbour as yourself. And these two commandments hang the whole of the law, and the prophets also. So that's the gospel for this week. Uh, Shane, we got about 90 seconds left. I don't know, can you share as a thought or two? Yeah,
1: two, quick, two quick talks for people. Very much so, the great commandment, love of your neighbour as yourself. So two things to think about in that. Love of neighbour, I suppose we're living that at the moment in terms of our response and our responsibility as a Christian community to participate in the prevention measures that have been taken in terms of COVID. Wash your hands, wear your mask, keep your distance stay at home as we're doing that. we have to do at the moment all of contributing for love of neighbor the other thing to think about just in relation to that it's love your love your neighbor as yourself and it's something maybe that we need to think about is what is my own relationship with me and in terms of my own self, sense of my self-worth my own sense of my place in the world my own sense of my relationship with god am i seen do i see myself as beloved do i see myself as loved or, you know, what? what is, what way do I see myself in the world? We live in a world where many people don't have a great understanding of themselves. And one of the challenges is that we can't, if we don't look after ourselves, we can't love our neighbours as well. It's not, a, it's not an invitation to narcissism. It's just a sense of being aware of who we are. We are beloved of God.
0: Well, that's Shane. So now we'll go for a piece of music before the break. Um... After the break in part two of the program, we finish off our final part of the interview with Father John Roach as he journeys on his faith journey. Um, Last week, of course, he he went through a very trying time uh, while ministering in Malawi. Uh, this week he comes, comes through various other positions within Africa, within his order, and ends up coming back to Ireland and shares some thoughts on evangelization and things like that with us. So we thank Father John indeed for taking time out to share with us. So now we we'll go for a piece of music. As I said, it's Voice in My Heart by Ned the Tube. So come back and join us again in part two.
2: There's a voice in my heart, not a turbay. Te There's a voice in my heart, not has There's a voice in Poisoned my heart. No door has. The voice Voice in my heart Nada other has come to you has come to you so
0: so welcome back again to come and see inspirations my name is Jung Lily and this week we are going to broadcast part three of my interview with Father John Roach. Last time, Father John had just left Manawi after serving his 20 years as a missionary there. We recorded this interview during one of the storms we experienced early on this year, so at a few points in the interview, the sound is a little bit weak, but the message is very strong. So enjoy Father John as he shares the rest of his journey with us today. And so you had to leave that behind, and you're now in Zambia, did you say, Father? What, what happened then?
3: Uh, well, no, all, all I did, I, I spent a few days in Zambia. That was basically a preparation to go home. Okay. Uh, um, I, I, I sort of, I felt very much, especially for my family, that uh, they were paining, and I just sort of, I, I felt you know, it's more important now to get home. Yeah. So I spent about three or four days maybe. And I, I prepared to go home. Um, I knew that there was sort of some media attention and interest in in the case. Uh, so again, Brendan Rogers helped me there because he, he noticed that I was very, maybe traumatized in a way by the whole experience. And he said, write it out. Uh, write out whatever you want to say. Uh, so when I arrived in Dublin, indeed, the Archbishop was there. The Archbishop uh, Cardinal O'Connell was there and um, my own society were there, and the press were there. I always remember the first, uh, the first point I said. I said, this is like a death for me. Now, I didn't realize maybe how true that was, because in, in a way, in the next two years, I had to sort of go through, in a way, a mourning period. Um, I left something I loved, and um, I, I would say it as a sort of a mourning period for me. Um, so I was, uh, my own society were there. They were very supportive and very, um, yeah, very encouraging. So I, I just, we, we had the press conference that we went. I went to my brother's house, and uh, after a few days, I had to go to Rome. Uh, I had to start to report to Rome, and uh, my own society gave me the vicar general, uh, Father Galluli at that time, to accompany me which I was very pleased with because uh, you feel very vulnerable at that time and I felt very vulnerable. Um, so it was great to have a brother uh, beside me and uh, uh, to be able to share, uh, share with that. Uh, so I spent a few days in Rome, you know, reporting to the different offices there. Um, I found it difficult enough to gauge whether they were in favor of it or not. I felt the conversation had changed. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that it wasn't as supportive of maybe as I expected, uh, and yet there were signs that there were. I just found it difficult enough to, to gauge um, where that was. So um, I, I spent a few days there, and they were saying, we're going to work to get you back. Um, and uh, But I sort of knew that uh, this wasn't going to happen, certainly wasn't going to happen in the short term. Um so I, I went, I did a little three months course in London, in uh, Totteridge, uh, and then I had to go back to certain sort of things. And they were sort of saying I was still in charge of the diocese, so I used to call out some of the leaders to Zambia and we'd have a day or two together. But it was very unsatisfactory. Uh, I'm absolutely convinced that if you have to lead somewhere, you have to be there. You, you have to have you have to have, you know, feeling for what's happening on the ground, um, and I found that very difficult. Even though I was getting reports and things like that, uh, it was very clear that I, I wasn't on the pulse. I was The pulse wasn't, wasn't with me. Um, so I did that for, for two years and two and a half years. I, uh, to me, it was analogous to being in a sort of limbo situation. I found it very difficult to. Um, Uh, to settle into anything, because uh, like Roma saying, you're still in charge. I wasn't there. I was trying to do little bits in Ireland. So limbo was, was, for me, would have been the the best image I would have. It was a prolonged period of limbo.
0: And yet, at the same time, you believed within yourself that the whole time, your whole experience, you had been led by the Holy Spirit.
3: Uh, I I have no doubt about that, John. And uh, like people used to say to me, um, you know, how did this happen? Because even within Malawi it were. And people sort of knew us as an Episcopal conference and they, they doubted that this would have happened at all. And I kept sort of saying, and some of them would say, oh, well, it's it's John, it's John. John has been the, the driving force behind this. And I used to say, it's not John. It's, it's, it's the spirit of God. It's the spirit of freedom. It's a spirit that calls us to, to, uh, to freedom and to joy and to respect for one another. And I'm totally convinced about that. I don't think it would have ever happened. If it was just left up to John, that would not have happened. It happened because the spirit intervened and the spirit was active at that moment. And like one of the gifts of the spirit is unity. And uh, if you know anything about Episcopal conferences, you cannot send out an Episcopal letter unless there's unity in the, in the conference. That we were of one voice and that we all signed that document together, to me, is the utter uh, proof that it is of of the Spirit. And I, I suppose it like eventually it brought me into a whole, you know, a whole meditation about, you know, uh, I was too being invited. I was a Good Friday person, so I, I don't know if you ever read there's a book called Good Friday People by uh, Cassidy Sheila Cassidy. Uh, it's an old book. She was abducted in South America. I think it was El Salvador on Good Friday, and she writes a Good Friday a novel, not a novel, a book called Good Friday People, and I would be very conscious of you know that, that powerlessness, that vulnerability. Um, uh, that sort of being been used, uh, that, that day it became a real reality, and I, I, I sort of felt, this was an invitation to, uh, to to know the Christ at a different level, uh, uh, crucifixion and you know, uh, suffering. I, I I sort of I feel now, uh, it's in me. It's part of me. I don't just talk about it. I've lived it. Um, and I've also lived res- resurrection, because not only am I alive, but I'm a wiser person uh, because of this experience. And some people might look at it and say, "Oh, yeah, you know, it uh, it was very di- it was a difficult, very difficult experience." But uh, surely suffering and crucifixion for Jesus was a very difficult experience. So I, I think I have um, I've experienced what Good Friday means. And I know oh, it's sort of in my flesh that this is what Good Friday means. And, um, but thankfully, too, I also know what resurrection means. So when we speak about these things now, it's not just from a book. It's from the heart, and from my spirit.
0: So just returning to your story there, uh, you spent a few years in Ireland, and then did you return to Africa again, Father John?
3: Yeah, actually, I returned... Um, they asked me, the society then asked me if I would go to Zambia. Um, there was a, there was a one of our, had to come home and there was a parish there that was without uh, a minister without a priest for the full year. So I said I would go back. I, I, I was very conscious that I had a choice. Um, like some people say, well, you won't go back to Africa. And Africa has hurt you. So uh, Africa never hurt me. Certain people hurt me. Uh, but. My experience of Africa and of its of its beautiful people has been predominantly a very positive and a very grateful. And I'm very times and years I've spent in, in Africa, a wonderful continent and a, a, a graced people. Um, so I went, I, I said, yeah, I'll go back. So I spent three years in a parish on the outskirts of Lusaka. Uh, anybody who was listening, it was great, off the Great North Road, uh, it was called Kabanana and that was my first time back in parish for a number of a long time 20 years or something i john i really enjoyed it it, it renewed me and it brought me back to what the church is really about what a priest is really about um yeah we we i i felt myself moving more and more into a very good space and um it's funny we've had a lot of vocations to the priesthood uh, from that parish and some of them would say well it was your witness and i am very conscious that uh, i was you know i was i was just uh, filled for being back with these people journeying burying them baptizing them doing their marriages there was a, uh, it was just wonderful to be back in that sort of an ordinary people and uh, celebrating our faith and celebrating the reality of jesus in their lives so uh, I was three years there. Um, I had to come home to get a hip done uh, because I think uh, some people would say trauma hits you in different places. But I think it hit me in my hips, uh, even though I was a footballer. I come home to get that done. And while I was home, they, they asked me would I go into the formation of our priests, And I sort of knew, you know, that maybe I might have a gift in that area. And I agreed to do it. Then they said to go to Nigeria. Now, I I wasn't ready for Nigeria, to be honest. I spent all my time in Central Africa, and I didn't know much about Nigeria. But anyway, I said I will go. So I spent seven years in Nigeria accompanying uh, our young candidates for the priesthood to our own society. Um, They would have been from different parts of Nigeria. And um, I came to love that program and to love the young men. I mean, they were very generous young men, and uh, like the, I found vocations in in Nigeria are still fairly abundant. Uh, now we did a good selection process, but for seven and seven and uh, seven years roughly, I accompanied these young men. I was sort of spiritual director, and um, oh, I I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that time, and I got to. I didn't enjoy the, the the climate of Nigeria that much. It's it, it's too humid. But uh, I enjoyed his people and their vibrancy and their creativity and their uh, never say die sort of attitude. Um, so they were great years. Um, and uh, I worked together with uh, one of our priests from Kerry and one of the indigenous uh, priests as well. So uh, I was I was basically seven years there. I came out of that and we normally would, that's all generally people in formation work only do maybe six or seven years and you're given a break. So after that, then, um, I took a break for a little bit and they asked me when I go to our theology house in, in Nairobi. And, uh, I was a bit surprised to be honest with that. Um, I sort of felt I'd done my bit, but anyway, I, I went and I was five years there, um. Enjoyed it again, I mean it's not a privilege to accompany anybody, but to accompany young men maybe who are trying to discern is this what they want or what God wants for them is it's a very sacred place and it's a very uh, it's a very i suppose big responsibility in a way but i I really enjoyed that very much and I did the five years uh, came home and then they appointed me to England. I did a bit of work in England and promotion. And then in uh, 19, was it 16, they asked me would I go back to the theology house for a few more years. Uh, again, I was surprised because uh, I was getting up to 70 at that stage and you sort of say, well, as director of theology, am I not like a, a little old for it? Um, but again, I tried to listen to the to the spirit. I, I was always struck by that, uh, the oldest swinger in town, that song. I felt that I was the oldest formator in town, and I certainly was the oldest director in town, back for three years. And uh, again, I must say, uh, there were good years. And in a way, it sort of felt for me somehow as if it was completion now. That somehow after five years, I didn't feel something I had completed at all. But I felt that I had completed now. And uh, in May this year, I handed over to one of our young Nigerian priests, who is the new director of the Theology House in, um, in Nairobi. And I am back now. The journey has come in a way of full circle. Uh, I'm back in a throne. Um, not sure what, I, what lies ahead of me, um, what I want or what the Lord wants, but that will unfold in its own time. For the moment, I'm just happy to be around here to rest and to meet old friends.
0: Well, John, just listening to your story growing up there in the 50s and 60s and to your experience in Africa and now back in Ireland in 2020. Talk to us about how lived faith was experienced in younger days in Ireland and your experience of faith now in Ireland and maybe what we can learn from how the people in Africa lived their faith.
3: Well, I, I suppose, John, coming home, anyway, the first thing that really struck you was the reality of COVID 19 there's um, mm-hmm. so a there's a lot of I think a lot of fear and anxiety out there it's it's it's, uh, it's very strange when you know we had it in Kenya when I, before I left um so uh, I, I think that but it did just strike me I suppose I think there's two things that strike me that you know faith has been centered in Jesus Christ and that like that, that that I'm not I'm not sure how many people sort of really explore, you know, what it means to be in relationship to Jesus. I think we have, like, church is not firstly about ritual or it's not firstly about laws. It's firstly about relationship. And at the heart of the gospel is our relationship with Jesus Christ and our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with one another, our relationship with all of creation. And uh, I think in some of our training and some of our teaching uh, over the years, I think we have sort of centered too much on laws and rituals and that people don't sufficiently see religion as being, you know, something that's life giving, something that's freeing. And that's something that really enables me to touch into the very divine within myself and uh, the very core of who I am. So I think that that's one thing that we haven't done in Ireland. And like, you know, we, we've had problems over the last number of years, whether that's uh, child abuse and all of that. But I think maybe at times people are rejecting church for the wrong reasons. I don't, I'm i not sure whether they have really explored it for themselves and really sat with it. and Maybe sat with the Bible. Like Pope Francis is, is inviting us to be, you know, to, to walk with the Bible. Like, do we know the Bible? In the last 50 years, we've been invited again to explore the Bible, and I think most of our Catholics still don't know the Bible very much at all. So I think that that's one area. I think the other area is, you know, people talk about the lack of priests, but like, is, and in the now maybe, are are we be invited to a new model of church? Like, is the church about priests or is it about community? And is it about communion? And like you know, I I'm here at law, and uh, I think there's in the friaries about seven or eight priests. I don't more than sufficient priests. Uh but where are the I still think that we we haven't allowed or provided avenues for where the laity can truly like Pope Francis speaks so beautifully about the primary vocation is the vocation of our baptism we are children of God that's our primary vocation and any other vocation whether it's to married life or to be a nurse or to be a priest is adding something onto it but unless the primary one is really vibrant and alive there there would be something I think lacking in the others I would love to see the laity and responsibility and I would love to see the leadership of the church in Ireland providing real avenues of co-responsibility, core of team ministry, of working together and of truly being a family of faith
0: and Father you know I, I was just thinking there also during, during what you have just said and uh, and earlier has the vocation of a priest changed in any way do you think from when you were ordained?
3: Uh, if, if it if there's something wrong, because I, uh, life changes, the church changes, change is part of, changes part of, of reality, is part of, it's part of, of uh, part of the journey. I like uh, as we've often learned uh, the mature person is a person who has changed often, but the mature community is a community that has changed often. So I think priesthood has to change. And um, you know, I I I I think you do see. I so I think priests have maybe much be much more about, you know, enabling, inviting, challenging, um, you know, all of us, and that means a certain. I think we have the priest has to let go of things, um, and to allow uh, the laity. I think to, uh, you know, to take the rightful role, and uh, and like when we're talking then about. Dialogue and responsibility that has to be real. It cannot be just words, and I think at times people feel it is words. So I think the role of the priest, he will always be there as that man of ritual. But it's the ritual not just of the altar. It's the ritual of communion, and it's the ritual of community. And so he's there to to be uh, you know another animator among many in the area of. Of communion and of community, so we, I think it has changed, and I think the, you know, people talk about the, the, the now of Ireland. I think the, the spirit always uh, in, invites us to growth, and I think the spirit is changed. is saying to we as priests and to the and to the community, because I think too very many is like maybe like it's even good to be able to talk to you. Here's a channel now that, I, that, that, that you, as, you as a layperson and the people involved in Spirit Radio are, are spreading the word. But like there's wonderful people throughout Ireland, the length and breadth of Ireland, who I think they have so many gifts. And maybe for them to ask themselves the question, what gift can I provide for the community? What is the particular gift and the unique gift that only I can provide for this community? And that we as priests provide the avenue, uh, avenues, provide the opportunity for that man or woman to blossom in their own and that he would be that sort of the bringer together of all the different charisms that are there for the good of the kingdom
0: and for the good of God's people. Really by by yourself, Father John, after just listening to your story there and the various challenges and the various avenues that you were led in your life. That was led by the Holy Spirit, but also supported in the Holy Spirit. And I suppose that's something that we should all always not forget. That we're not doing this, as, as you said earlier on yourself, on your own, Father John. The Holy Spirit's there behind you all the time. Father-
3: yeah, well, I'd be just, John, I'd be very conscious that you're know, that thing of a man, God with us. Mm. The, the, the name that Jesus was given was God with us. Yeah. And he said to us, you're never alone. My spirit will be with you always. And I would be very conscious of that, you know for all of us, and uh, I think we need to sort of really sit with that and allow it to penetrate and a way of allow it to anoint us with confidence and with hope and with trust
0: leading on from what we've just spoken about there those few points there. How do you see evangelization taking place in the year two thousand
3: and twenty um I, I think predominantly I I would think maybe of two ways might the whole this whole pandemic has brought to the fore um like the, the internet uh, and you know how that can be used very positively uh for evangelization like the number of people I'm around I can say well I, I look into the mass there, I have the rosary there and um, I think we need to explore that more and more I think there's avenues there of that, that are waiting to be tapped further. And, you know, well done to Spirit Radio. Uh, I, I think that all of that is one area that evangelization has, to, has to, uh, to happen. I also don't think that you can never get away from the witness. I think the witness aspect of it, and that's men and women living in a particular way, making choices uh, in, you know, uh, for the good of people. And and I, I think we have to be brave enough and honest enough to continue sort of say, I am a witness to the risen Lord. I am a witness to the alive Lord. Jesus is alive. And uh, so I don't, I think we have to marry. We, like I, I'm just uh, very aware when I go down to see, visit people. Um, a lot of them are, are, are not young anymore. But they're so happy just to see people, and then people talk about the young people bringing you know food in the pandemic to uh maybe to people who are housebound that we would see that as a you know an outreaching of the spirit it, it may not be the language that we're used to, but we need new language we need, need new time so uh, to me that they would be the two primary ones. I think we really have to explore more and more the whole of media, and of the internet. I did a mass in uh, Nairobi before, a uh, Zoom mass.
2: Hmm.
3: Uh, it was my first time to do it. So like I, I'm being challenged as well, like to, to, to learn about these sort of things even in my seventies. My um, but that would be one, but I don't think we can ever sort of uh, underplay the power of witness. And I would love, I'd love to see that at all levels of Irish society.
0: Okay, so, Father, Father John, at this stage, what do you think people expect of a priest?
4: I think, like, the number one thing, I think, is that people hope to find an honesty within us. Mm. Um, an honesty in our humanity and an honesty in our spirituality. And that we're not, uh, like, uh, uh, afraid to share who we are um so i think the best word i would use for it is i really think the people hope that they will see in us a, maybe a brutal honesty that this this and that. i think that the hope i think they would see a sort of a, a person of integration that somehow i have i've integrated or at least i'm on that journey of integration like uh, with, the, with the whole person uh, that it's not that I am living in compartments, but this is John. This is John the priest and John the man. Uh, I, th- I think that, that people hope to see in, in me and in all of us as priests sort of a, an integration of life. I think to do uh, expect and hope that, that there will be a, sort of a holiness in us but that, that, that holiness is, is not just about saying prayers or being seen in the chapel, but it's about a holiness of respect, a holiness of compassion, a holiness of, of, of mercy. And um, a holiness, I think, is reflected in deep listening. I think the people want us to be listeners, And uh, because there's, there's a huge amount of healing, I know, in listening. So um, I think the people, but that I, so when we're talking about holiness, that I think is what we're, anyway, that we are, I think that we are talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think too that, that the people would hope to find of us um, a willingness to truly share, uh, a willingness to allow others to exercise their talents and their gifts, gifts in the Now of Ireland and to do that joyfully as a celebration and that it would be men of teamwork that would really work as a team. And that's not just being if they have a fellow priest, but uh, you know all in the parish council and the finance committee or whatever it is, um, I, I think that uh, that we would be those sort of team people. And I think just finally, I think people hope that we would, we would be people of hope Especially, I think, in the now. Um, I, uh, negativity, I, uh, personally, I don't think it gets us anywhere. And there is a lot of negativity out there, and I can understand where it's coming from. But, like, we believe Je- Jesus is with us, that he's not just with us, but that he's in us, he's among us. And poor Francis, again, how often has he uh, invited us that we should be disciples of hope. So I think the priest has to be a man of hope. To speak hope, live hope, and to proclaim hope. So, they would be the areas I think of today.
0: Father John, at this stage, what keeps you going? I think what
4: keeps me going is my relationship with with with, with Jesus. Um, I, I have I have a little place, and uh, uh, out here in, in Athlone. Uh, which provides me an opportunity just to be silent with with my god at different times during the day and you know i i i am in communion i am listening and he is speaking so i uh, that i think is, is number one that keeps me going uh, it's it's that relationship and i think the second thing is uh, again like coming home i've just I think goodness outweighs uh, let's say if you want it, want badness in our world, but i I do think the media too often center upon you know the evils that are happening among us. Somebody said good news is not news. Well, I think it should be news, and I see a lot of good news in 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 a lot of the people around who are caring for one another and caring for their elderly so what keeps me going is the goodness I see in other people and that, that I feel is nourishing the goodness in me. So I think to, to the extent that I can be, I try to be, you know, goodness and try to be kind, um, I am responding to that in others and they are responding it uh, to me. Like The number of times even since I came home, like, people have come with a gift. Uh, oh, you set up a little house, Father John, here's a little gift for you. I mean, I, I would never take that as for granted. It's such a beautiful gesture of you know, of kindness, of, of goodness, and um, I just uh, thank you. I do think Pope Francis is right that uh, thank you should be one of the words that we use most frequently. I thank God for the goodness in others and for the goodness in me. I think that they are the two things that really
0: keep me going. Beautiful. Father John, what would you say to a young person who might be listening to us, to, to listen to this conversation and is open to following in your footsteps and maybe considering the option of religious life? What would you say to them? Uh,
4: I would say to them, listen to your deepest aspirations first. I uh, say, so like, give, give yourself. Uh, a time and, and maybe opportunity to listen, to, you know, to, to that inner voice. There is an inner voice. It's it's crowded out, I think, a lot um, in our world today. Um, it can be a very noisy world today. But to try and find opportunities to to listen to the inner voice, and that's not, I think, I think some young people might feel that's off the wall sort of stuff. But uh, it's not. I don't think it is. Um, so I think number one, I think they have to be try to say what do I want, and what does that inner what, what does God want? However, you're sort of if you're talking about God has been beauty, God has been majesty, God has been your know, um, all, whatever it is. Like, right? but it has to be what you want as well. So I would say that for me, that's that's number one. Uh, two, I would say to them, my experience of the journey has been a wonderful experience, and I would uh, sort of say invite them, any of you should be invited, that uh, priesthood, ministry, evangelization, whatever title you want to, to put it under, I, I still would say to anybody who asks, the wonderful way of living your life and living your life for others, so why not give it a chance, why, why, why not embrace it? Uh, uh, so, I, uh, I think that would be the, the, the second thing that here that for me it has been that sort of experience. And, and uh, you know, maybe finally, like, uh, there's no harm in, in challenging people. Yes, we'll be countercultural, but the gospel is countercultural at times. Like, if you said to some people today, well, you know, why not join the religious life or the priesthood? They would say, you know, you're off the wall, like, thinking about these things. Uh, if we are followers of Jesus I think we have to continue inviting people and then why not start to say, oh you know, okay, uh, Jesus was counterculture. He's Jesus challenged the Jews to, to to change their thinking, so why can we not be a, you know, strong enough maybe, of, honest enough to, to put a challenge before people and, and young people um, like, some people say to me at times, oh, well, this whole thing of sexual, you know, of, of scandals in the church, but like, what often strikes me is that, you know, we've a lot of marriages that are breaking down now, unfortunately, in Ireland. And yet, like, young people will certainly ask themselves, you know, do I want to get married? Or you know, if I'm in a, in a relationship, is that what I want? So I, those three things I think John would be for me... Uh, well, I would like to say to them: listen to your own deepest desires. Try to, you know, to, to, discern and to judge where where, where you are calling. Um, to share with them my own experience, and to say it has been a wonderful life, and I, um, I'm very grateful that I've I've lived this sort of way. And maybe to challenge them to say: well, yeah, let's be countercultural. let the church, not be afraid, to be countercultural, and to be brave and prophetic enough to put that challenge before young people.
0: Thanks for that, Father John. Now, after two hours, I'm coming to the last question or two. <laughs> Thank you very much, Lee, for the time. Father John, The many obstacles, I suppose, put in the way of people living out their faith in 2020. Some of them just hanging on in there as best they can. What words of encouragement would you like to give them?
4: I, I suppose, first, John, I think there was times when Jesus hung in um, I would go back, I always sort of try to go back, like I often think of Jesus in the garden, whatever in the garden he was, he was hanging in. Like he wasn't finding it easy. and and uh, But he hung in and um, like wh- when he comes to the sort of uh, the, the, the final reality, they sort of say well, not your will, but mine be done. Uh, he comes to a point of freedom. Um, like uh, uh, there's, a, there's a times of things when we have to let go, and even let go of our own agenda. And and if if hanging in is where I am at the moment, well, let me hang in and let me hang in well. But let me hang in as well in openness. What is the Spirit saying to me now? What is the Spirit inviting me to? Whether it's sickness or whether it's, I mean, people have lost a job at the moment. Uh, people are, you know, with the, with the, with the virus, people are struggling. Could the Spirit be inviting us or saying to us something in this as well? So I would sort of say one thing, uh, hang in. I would invite them to keep, like Peter, as long as he was looking at Jesus in the lake, he was sharing in the divine. Mm -hmm. And I'd invite them, maybe give them a few little uh, scripture passages or whatever. Just try to keep an eye on Jesus, keep, keep gazing. And allow themselves to, uh, to gaze on that. And I, I suppose thirdly, to try and find some sort of, I would put it as a sort of, a little community. There's times when we need one another. We need one another just to support each other. We need one another to encourage each other. And, uh, try, and I, I think that that's, you know, maybe for all of us in these days, uh, I know uh, social distancing and all of that, but we can visit each, you know, one to one is a very powerful means. So uh, that's what I would say for the people. I, it's it's not an easy place, and I, uh, but it also is a place I think of of freedom, of of new wisdom, and I think in the final analysis we are called in our lives to to wisdom, and to live love. I think that that's where you know, that that sick person in the bed can and can live love, radiate love I can sort of allow that to to permeate and to be, to be truly nestled in me again I will find hope
0: Father John, thanks indeed for for sharing that journey with us that journey that you started off with your meeting the Lord many years ago back there in Athlone and continuing that journey with him and listening to his Holy Spirit in all the events of your life that has brought you to where you are at the moment. Thank you so much for that. Is there any Mark, piece of music, Father, that you'd like us to play at the end of this interview?
4: Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I Certainly one of them would be, to be still and know that I am God. There's some lovely mm. uh, renderings of of, uh, of that. Um, that certainly be, uh, would be one. And... Some of those like, uh, the calling ones, um, I, I heard one recently you know I've called you by your name, yeah. you are mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah. And if we could personalize, I think that might be the main one uh, that, that, we get, that and maybe even if you that we could personalize that, that each of us could say, I am calling you John, I am calling you Mary, I'm calling you Boniface, whatever it is, mm-hmm. by your name
0: or mine that I think would be the number one yeah I, I, have a, I have a lovely piece of that available to play no doubt thank you very much indeed Father mm. before you leave before you leave us before we leave this interview um, it's it's a pleasure and a privilege for us to have somebody like you and to be as you said early on in the interview a channel a channel of that blessing so maybe would you just finish off this interview by giving us your priestly blessing please for all of those who are Listen today, those who are sick and housebound and all of us.
4: Okay, John. Thank you. Thank you for walking with me during this interview. Thank you for listening to the way the Lord has worked in my life and the way that the Lord has witnessed his love and his presence in my life. I thank you, too, for the way the Lord is with you wherever you are today. Whether you are in a hospital, whether you are at home, whether you are housebound, wherever you are, I would like to say to you, the Lord is with you, and the Lord will be with you always. He is beside you in the chair. He is within your heart, and he is all around you. And in that reality, I bless you. And in that reality, I anoint you in the power of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And may the peace and joy of Jesus descend upon you and be with you always. Amen.
0: Father John Roche, thank you so much for sharing that beautiful journey with us. God bless you.
4: And thank you, John, for the opportunity.
5: Voice came from the cloud. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I will come to you in the silence. I will lift you from all your fear. You will. Hear my voice, I claim you as my choice Be still and know I am here And do not be afraid, for I am with you I have called you each by name I will bring you home I love you And you are mine I am the hope for all Who are hopeless for those who long to see. In the shadows of the night, I will be I have called you each by by name. Come and follow me and I will fairy healing for the ones who dwell in shame all the blind will see the lame will all run can't give